My name is Sarah Prout, and I'm a manifestation and mindset expert. I'm devoted to helping you to manifest the life of your dreams. And in this show, I'll be sharing with you weekly doses of inspiration to attract all of your goals, your dreams, your wishes, and your desires. Over the last decade, I've inspired millions of people all over the world on how to consciously create their own reality. And I'm here to help you to connect with the universe activate your intuition and enjoy every step of the journey. I'm a best-selling author, mother of four, and creative entrepreneur. Together, we're going to cover topics such as mindset, spirituality, and of course, manifestation. This is the Manifest Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Manifest Podcast. This one I have been wanting to record for quite some time now. And the reason for that is because it is a very in-depth topic. Recently on Facebook, I asked the question, I posed the question, would you guys like me to share more business inspiration Would you like me to share more of my journey, whether it is starting a podcast or writing a book or how to create authentic social media material? Because my posts have been liked and shared millions upon millions of times now over the last decade. And something that I have found fascinating, especially with studying so much course creation content So much course content creation, I'm getting it around the wrong way, but I have studied digital marketing courses, everything from how to write emails to how to craft the perfect blog post. There is one thing that a lot of them seem to overlook and this audience I know, especially if you are an entrepreneur or you have your own business or you are an influencer or you have a network marketing business, the key thing that is often overlooked is strengthening your intuition. And so when you bring the content creation process through the filter of your intuition, of cultivating that deep sense of reverence for the creative process, then you're more likely to create something magical. So I'm going to be diving more into that today under this topic, how to write a best-selling non-fiction book. This one's going to be good. But first, a quick message from our sponsor. So you might have heard this phrase before that a magician never reveals their secrets. I think that is one of the most ridiculous limiting beliefs that we can have because it stops us from supporting one another. And as that famous phrase goes, rising tides lift all boats. That's the way that I would like to approach this subject because I have wanted to share this for such a long time, but it is literally me opening the kimono, so to speak, and sharing with you some of the highs, some of the lows, the ways in which you can write a best-selling book. If this is on your intention list, if this is something that you dearly would love to manifest, then this episode is for you. Or if you know somebody that wants to write a book, 
a nonfiction book specifically, then I would love for you to share this episode with them because the the key pieces of information that I'm going to be sharing with you today are tried and tested. I have been an author, a published author now for over a decade, and I will talk a little bit about my story, and I'll also share with you some of the trials and tribulations that I experienced along the way to becoming a best-selling author. So if that's a title that you have on your vision board of something that you would like to achieve one day, then listen closely. And as I mentioned at the top of the episode, this is the very first point that I want to discuss, and it is when you are writing a best-selling book, I want you to use your intuition. So I'll give you a bit of a backstory. I'll share with you where my journey as a best-selling author began, and then I'll dive into the tips. So like I said, you might want to be taking notes today because this is going to be something that you want to refer back to over and over again when you are reminding yourself of holding that vision of what you want to manifest into your life. So get into my time machine (laughs) about, oh, when was it? Uh, I do a process every year, which I call goals, dreams, wishes, and desires. Every New Year's Eve on the 31st of December, I have written down all of the things that I would like to manifest in that year. It's such a beautiful, sacred, ceremonial ritual. And I started this probably around 15 or 16 years ago now. And what absolutely continues to amaze me is the things that I can tick off the list every year with astounding accuracy. And as the list started to change, I realized that there was one important thing that I was putting on there that was getting me better results, and that was to focus on the feeling. So before I dive in today, let's focus on that feeling. Really allow yourself to ground into what it feels like to be a best-selling author or even an author. Let's lower the stakes. I'll get into that later as well. But really allow yourself to feel how it will feel holding that publication in your hands. Even better yet, visualizing it in other people's hands. And I can tell you from personal experience, and I know so many of you out there have purchased my books before, it really means the world to me. And there is nothing like it from conception, from the conceptual idea space of the book to the full circle moment of birthing the book. It is a sacred rite of passage. And something that if you want to manifest this, then there is absolutely nothing stopping you. And that's where I feel this newfound passion to really speak about more entrepreneurial things that will support you on your journey. So my journey, (laughs) uh, what was the ritual? I think it was 2009 to 2010, or it might have been 2008 to 2009. It's all very blurry now. (laughs) I was... I was in a very difficult marriage, as you probably already know if you've listened to the show before. And I said to the universe, dear universe, take this loneliness away. I never want to feel this way again. And this is something that is really, really hard to articulate. But even though I felt desperate within my heart to create change, I was still motivated to write lists of intentions. And on my list of intentions, I wrote down, I would like to manifest an international book deal. Now, (laughs) I had 
I didn't have a concept for a book. I was gaining some popularity on Twitter back then. So it must have been 2009 to 2010, just before I left my first marriage. And actually I'd already left and then I'd gone back. <laughs> this is, I know this is confusing, but bear with me. So it definitely was 2009 to 2010 because I'd left for a while as a single mom. And then I went back because I couldn't afford to be on my own, even though I lived with my ex-husband under the same roof, we were separated. And so I wrote down, I want to manifest an international book deal. And within 10 days, I kid you not, 10 days, I get this random message in Twitter, on Twitter, in my DMs from an editor at Wiley. And you may know this, but Wiley is the second largest business publisher in the world. And she said, hey, Sarah, uh, I love what you're doing with social media and social media strategy. I would love to meet up for coffee and let's just catch up. And I thought, well, that's great. I can help her with social media. I didn't even think that this could be my chance to get the book deal. And I had no idea that that was even uh, in the realm of possibilities, even though it was something that I was wanting to do. So it showed me that my work on Twitter in those bite-sized 140 characters or less as it was back then uh, was garnering um, corporate attention, which was something that was fascinating to me. I was a single mom. <laughs> I hadn't left Melbourne yet. I hadn't moved to Queensland. Uh, I was in debt <laughs> and I was just spending every waking moment that I had where I wasn't caring for the children, investing in learning about how to write, how to write eBooks, how to write, uh, nonfiction books, how to, uh, how to communicate with people on social media. I mean, this was all back in the days before even digital products were you know, gaining momentum. And so I met for the coffee <laughs> and we sat down and I went to the Wiley offices and she said to me, I'd like you to write a book, Sarah. <laughs> I'd like you to write a book. And I'll, I'll never forget this. I was thinking, oh my gosh, this is incredible. And it was going to be about social media strategy and how to connect with people authentically. And <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And I remember calling my mom from the parking lot at Wiley and I said, mom, I just landed myself a book contract and I'm going to write a book. And they were going to give me $5,000. So I just dropped my pen lid. That's what that noise was. <laughs> um, I just landed a book deal and they're going to give me $5,000 as an advance. And I remember my mom saying, good job, darling, you've made it. <laughs> and I remember thinking, yes, I have. I felt on top of the world. And there were a few working titles for the book. I think the first iteration was Social Butterfly. I don't think I've ever said that publicly before. And then it ended up being The Power of Influence, The Easy Way to Make Money Online. And the irony, trust me, the irony was not lost on me that by the time this book came out, I had been living for a majority of 2020, not 2020, 2010. Oh my gosh. Like I said, time machine. Uh, I had been living as a single mother on welfare, not able to feed my children. I could feed my children, but not knowing how I could feed my children. I wasn't feeding them properly. I mean, I'm talking about things like 40 cents, no name, ramen noodle kind of meals. And they loved it, <laughs> uh, but it definitely wasn't nutritious. And 
that was so bizarre to me to have been published by the second largest business publisher in the world for this book, $5,000 advance, which helped me, helped to facilitate me in leaving my ex-husband in that situation to venture off into the next chapter of my life to get an apartment, to buy like the the cheapest, crappiest car you could imagine that made like a giant grinding noise every time it stopped at a stoplight because the brakes were not great. Um, yeah, this is definitely a memory lane episode, but bear with me because we're going to get to the juicy points very, very soon. So the power of influence came out at a time where there was a lot of collapsing in the bookstore industry. I think one of the biggest book chains actually folded and it didn't exist anymore. So a lot of the stock that went in there didn't end up selling. Now, don't go looking up this book because I can tell you it's so outdated now. I mean, this is before a lot of the platforms had the uh, functionality that they do today. I mean, this is before live streaming or anything like that. So it's definitely outdated and a very immature version. But what I did in that book is that I was seeding metaphysical principles. (laughs) And the way that I wrote it and I'll get to my writing process very soon, is that I wrote it from my heart. And for all of the writers out there, or even if you don't consider yourself a writer yet, it is important that you show up to any blank page with an open heart. You show up to any blank screen where that curse is flickering, the infinite potential of that blank screen with an open heart. And I'll mention the importance of that when we go through the points. So moving on, power of influence kind of crashed and burned. (laughs) I still get royalty checks, though. I get the occasional $20 here, $20 there from like very curious people that want to read the book. But really, I mean, even my writing has improved radically since that time. And that's the thing to remember as well. Writing is a practice. It's not that you all of a sudden have this incredible piece or body of work there is no such thing as overnight success it literally takes years to refine and hone the art of communication and writing and so I was a single mom on welfare as I mentioned and some of you may know that I ended up meeting the love of my life on Twitter and he was living in Hollywood West Hollywood I believe in California and I was living in Noosa at this stage. And it was like a light switch went on and we fell in love online. We knew that we loved each other and we knew we had to find a way to be together. And there was no way at that point that I was going to be leaving Australia. Uh, So Sean came out to live with me and we lived in Australia for five years. But in order for me to sponsor him to stay as an Australian permanent resident, we had to figure out an income because I was splitting my welfare check, which was peanuts back then just that extra mouth to feed because Sean was broke. He had no money. He used the last money that he had to get on that plane to come and see me. So he had a background though with his brilliant mind and his love of the law of attraction and manifestation and working in the internet marketing industry with some very prominent people. We put our heads together and we'd always wanted to write an ebook together or create a course. We'd talked about that for a couple of years before we met because we were, we were friends online. We were very supportive. It wasn't a couple of years. It was just a year. I got to get my facts straight here. It was just a year. It it feels like it was so much more. And it was just platonic because I was married and it took at least 
nearly a year and a half for me to dismantle things before I could even think of being in a relationship with somebody else. But you can't choose your timing sometimes, right? Um, It's God's timing, the universe's timing when love finds you. And love found me. And love found me in a way that called us to create a company together. And this is where it veers off into the woo-woo a little bit. So we started receiving ideas. We started channeling ideas of possibly our next steps. And we were told to create a publishing company. Now, I know that sounds a little bit out there, but bear with me. This is a spirituality podcast. Um, So what happened was that we didn't know at the time what steps to take. And I had a little on, online group called Adventures in Manifesting, where it was an eight-week manifestation course, very basic. And I decided to put together a compilation book model for an Adventures in Manifesting series. Now, I'd done this before. I had done that before I landed The Power of Influence, the book deal from Wiley. So that was a book called Sprout the Life You Love. <laughs> um, and again, that was that was a wild experience in entrepreneurialism. And the idea was that authors would invest in a specific publishing package to have their chapter printed in the anthology series. And uh, we would all use our combined promotional power to get the word out there about the book. And I think I sold around 9,000 of those books, which was pretty incredible. Uh, but it still wasn't enough to cover my student loan debts um, and some other debt that I had accrued, which was about $30,000 at the time that I met Sean. And so Sean and I creating the Adventures and Manifesting series, we ended up publishing five books in the series. And there are over 80,000 copies in print. And so each of the publishing packages ranged from, I think it was, I, I can't even remember now. It was so long ago, but a basic package was about nine ninety seven. So we went from no money to generating six figures in one year. It wasn't six figures profit. And then I think it was the next year we made a quarter of a million dollars. And we knew that we were onto something because we were being of service to our authors. Our authors became like our friends and our family. And in fact, our authors that we met, many of them, uh, we've stayed in contact with over the last decade. And some of them are very, very dear friends. Some of these friends were at our wedding, you know. So it's it's been an absolute pleasure to create that collective experience and to facilitate that dream for other people of becoming published authors because it's a huge deal when you hold that book in your hands to know that you have been part of something. And so um, we became, at that point, this was in the days when Amazon was just starting to take off in Australia and I, I believe it was already very well established in America and we hit a bestseller category on Amazon. And so we could then say, we are best-selling authors. Now, technically, I think there's different rules in different countries, but in Australia, you have to have sold 5,000 books to classify yourself as a best-selling author. That's what I understood at the time. That may have changed. Uh, and in the States, I think it's um, just hitting best-seller categories um, on Amazon or different different lists. And I'll talk a little bit more about the importance of defining what a best-seller is in a moment. So that was the Adventures in Manifesting series. And then in 2015, Sean and I 
moved to America and our business was just taking off. I was teaching a manifesting course again. We had um, products and this was before we started the Manifesting Academy membership, which is our main our main product right now. Um, but the the social media was taking off because we were learning about Facebook ads and I had, I think it was close to half a million Facebook fans at this point. Uh, we had steady traffic to the website and I decided <laughs> that I would write a book. Now, the book that I was going to write was called Dear Soul Baby. Dear Soul Baby. And it was written as a documenting experience of the previous two years for me because I had been through five miscarriages in a row. And I really wanted to write a resource guide for women to navigate the spectrum of emotions that come along with going through a miscarriage or a pregnancy loss or something like that. So I, I spent at least six months working on that and I shopped it round to different agents and publishers and I had one tiny little bite and then that bite didn't buy back again. <laughs> so, <clears throat> excuse me, that was back to the drawing board for me. And then the next year I was in the shower. We were living, you guys might know this, I lived in Las Vegas for six years and I was in the shower in our house in Las Vegas. And I had this idea because I'd had this post that had been shared, uh, this, this specific style of post, a Dear Universe post. You may have seen my affirmations. They say things like, Dear Universe, I am ready for the next chapter of my life. Dear Universe, I am ready for abundance. And I was the first one to use that term, as far as I know, on uh, social platforms in a quote capacity. And they'd been shared and liked millions upon millions of times. So I thought, huh, that's a proven model. But what if I categorized emotions into love-based feelings and fear-based feelings and people could look up how they're feeling and then create a connection point with the universe and have what we call a dear universe moment. Um, I actually own the trademark for dear universe, which is kind of cool because we really wanted to protect that concept uh, as we come out with more products and some exciting developments, more on that to come. But the Dear Universe book, this idea, it was this living organism within me. I knew that this book idea would be something that would change our lives. And so I remember I was in the shower just drying off and Sean came into the bathroom and I said, I've had the best idea for a book. It's called Dear Universe. It's, um, you know, you look up how you feel and then you connect with the universe and there's meditations throughout it and moments of mindfulness. And he said, that's a great idea. So I went through the same process that I did with Dear Soul Baby and which was like put in the the drafts pile. I'd, I'd made peace with that because I really didn't want to keep talking and churning over that was me again I talk with my hands and then I knock stuff I don't know <laughs> um, so what happened next was that I decided to shop it around to different agents and different publishers and here's a piece of information you might want to write down what I did was that I looked in all of the books that I really admired and I looked up the top agents I looked up the top agents and that, that's a little little uh, hint there that sometimes you can find the best 
connections by looking up the people you admire and then seeing who they thank in their book because sometimes those can be little doorways to different realms of possibility. And so I did that and I looked at something called Publishers Marketplace and looked up a different list of agents and I sent out probably 60 different queries and that's a lot but it was worth it. And every query that I sent out, I sent out the energy of positive intention to say, hey, I've got this idea, a brief summary of that, and then a very brief proposal and to see what comes back. So (laughs) then what happened was I remembered that many years ago, I think it was like 2000, again, me with dates, right? (laughs) Bear with me. It was, it must have been 2005 or 2006 that I wrote down in my journal. And I'm in my office right now as I'm recording this podcast. And I just caught out of the left corner of my eye, the journal that I'm talking about that I wrote this in. So that's very serendipitous. (laughs) What I wrote down was I I want to manifest a New York literary agency or to be represented by a New York literary agency. Keep in mind, that's when I was living in Melbourne, Australia. I had no connection to America I had an American pen pal when I was nine years old, but I didn't, I mean, I knew another American, but I typically didn't really know any Americans back then uh, or have them in my life other than on the TV. (laughs) Uh, And so I wrote that down and just let it go. So fast forward to when I was putting out the book proposal for Dear Universe and I got a, a bite back from one of the biggest publishers in the world one of the big five, couldn't believe it. They were interested and then didn't bite back. And then I heard back from the biggest literary agency in the world in New York. And within two weeks, I was signed with them and we had written and drafted a beautiful and very strong book proposal. And Sean and I were on a plane to New York City and we had meetings with all of these incredible publishers. And I would tell them about the concept and I could feel within me that this was going to be a wildly successful concept. And I mean, we went to Macmillan, we went, we had meetings with Simon and Schuster. I went to Hay House and we had lunch there. That was really fun. Um, some, we had some conference calls. I was, I met with an executive at Audible and then So what happens is that you go with your agent and then you shop around the idea and then everybody has a think about it and they come to the table with an offer. And then if there are lots of offers, it goes to auction and then it goes to the highest bidder. (laughs) So I waited. I was in San Diego at a uh, digital marketing conference and I remember we were by the ocean and I opened up my email and I saw the summary of offers from my agent And the top one was a combined offer from Hofton Mifflin Harcourt, HMH, which is now, I believe, Harper One, uh, and Audible. And it was for $275,000. $275,000. Now, remember, it's not about the money. That dollar sign represented to me the belief that they had in my idea, the belief that they had that this was going to be a best-selling product for them that would generate income for years to come. And so that really changed me. That was a turning point. And of course, I had to go through the writing process of how to write a best, best, best felling, <laughs> best selling nonfiction book. I'd already had an idea. We'd written out the proposal, as I said, but the writing process is radically different from concept to finished product. It can sometimes morph and change in so many unexpected ways. 
And so Dear Universe really took on a life of its own. And although I am not a New York Times bestselling author or a Wall Street Journal bestselling author, I've sold a lot of books. <laughs> I believe at last count there has been over 100,000 copies of Dear Universe that have sold just in the United States. It's been translated into 10 languages, I believe. I think we just recently – oh, no, that was for Be The Love. There's been a translation deal for Be The Love. So nine languages and then – it just keeps on having like these little spurts of interest. And I get people sending me messages every single day with their book, telling me that it's on their bed bedside table, telling me that they keep the essence of Dear Universe with them all the time. And that truly means the world to me to know that the arduous process of writing a book from the moment the idea lands in your heart, from that moment I had that inspired idea in the shower to now seeing on my desk that book sitting there it's an incredible feeling and so the the last little bit of my journey is we go to 2020 and this was a couple of years after Dear Universe came out or I'd written it anyway and it came out in 2019 I decided that hey it's time to create another book concept and because I'd had such visible success with the launch of the Goldcast video that's now had over 80 million views from people all over the world I decided to write a book that is very biographical and my own journey. Now, this is 2020, so the book industry didn't know what was going to happen with the world in lockdown. So printing supplies and uh, supply chains were really limited in terms of print runs and production and all of those kind of things. People were working remotely, and I believe some of the teams still are. So it, it posed some... Uh, complications. I'd had my tickets booked to fly to New York to meet with different publishers to pitch the idea. So I had to do the uh, the process of pitching the idea to all of the publishers on Zoom, which was really interesting. So we got a couple of offers back. And this time I got an offer for $100,000 from Macmillan Publishing or a subdivision of Macmillan Publishing known as St. Martin's Essentials. This was the imprint. And of course I said yes, because I really love the editor and uh, she was one of the people that wanted to work with me the first time for Dear Universe. And we knew that we would have a great um, editor-author relationship. And the the relationship that you have with your editor is something that is so special. I remember when I was writing Dear Universe and the editor that I had that really believed in the concept he was outstanding every single detail we really worked on that together but he he didn't hinder my writing process every little meditation not little every meditation that I would write I would send and then he would edit and we did that for the 200 mini meditation throughout Dear Universe so to write Be the Love was a little bit different because it had so much emotion I actually lived out and healed cathartically a lot of trauma from within through writing Be The Love. And so with that energy, that intention, that intentional energy, it's radically different. It's a different piece to Dear Universe. It, it serves a different mechanism. And my next book, whatever that's going to be, and there are a few different ideas that I'm toying with right now, and I think I'm nearly ready to write my next book, um, that will take on a different life of its own. So the key point 
As I said, you're going to want to take notes with this. The key point is to use your intuition. Whether you are wanting to write a book, whether it's a nonfiction book, a fiction book, or creating anything, whether it is art or setting up a business or creating just a piece of content that you share on Instagram or Twitter, use your intuition. Really allow yourself to open up your intuitive faculties so that you can download the idea. My idea for Dear Universe was a download, an intuitive download. I quite often have ideas for books and different projects when I'm in the shower, when I'm in water or when I'm by the ocean. And so the more you allow your intuition to work for you, the more you open up your heart to receive more inspired ideas. Remember I said that when Sean and I first met, we received or downloaded the idea that we were to create a publishing company. And that worked out really well for us for following our intuitive guidance. And then secondly, whatever book that you have that is wanting to be birthed through you, write a proposal. Write a proposal before you have an agent, before you go to a publisher. Write the proposal because it's in that um in that state of awareness of fleshing out the idea, writing out the sample chapters, the intention for each of the chapters, uh, the write the blurb, just free write it. But to see the idea as something that's viable sometimes takes time. So you want to allow space and adequate space to incubate the idea um, and write some sample content get to work, use your intuition, write the content. And that brings me to the third point, which is to write when you feel inspired, write when you feel inspired. Don't just show up and write. This is counterintuitive to a lot of advice that uh, writing coaches give, just write, 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 and see what comes out. Sometimes you don't want to do that because you can deaden the experience. And so look at the the day, look at your lifestyle, look at your schedule and look at the times where you have the most amount of clarity and uh, focus. So for me, for instance, I have afternoon clarity. So once all the coffee's kicked in or the tea uh, and I've done what I need to do, then it's like my brain is open to receive ideas and to flow. And I more often than not need quiet space to be able to write. And then remember that writing is a process of rewriting. It's sculpting and peeling back and getting rid of some things and being flexible with the way that you approach the creative process. So sometimes we hang on so much to an idea that we just, we're trying to fit a square peg into a round hole as the saying goes. And you have to be willing to let go of control. You have to, because sometimes the writer, the writer needs to be written. There is sources of inspiration that must right through you, whether you call that your higher self, consciousness, uh, the universe, angels. And I'm not talking about this in like a, a um, no disrespect here, but a weird channeling way. I'm not talking about that. It's that the idea itself is a vibration and that vibration needs to come through you and to expand. And so The key element to remember, and I want you to write this one down too, is as you are writing, imagine who you are being of service to. Think of your audience. 
Think of the top of this podcast today when we did the visualization, imagining in your mind's eye that someone is holding your book and cherishing it, every single word, because you are a soul writer. Your primary intention is to stir someone's soul into awakening, into expansion, into experience, into all of the beautiful things that happen when you are on this journey. And I'm guessing, and this is kind of like a bit of a random stab in the dark here, that you wouldn't be listening to a podcast called Manifest unless you had some kind of interest in spirituality. So if this podcast is resonating with you, allow yourself to be written. And then the last one, this one's really obvious because I just mentioned it without mentioning it, is to visualize the outcome. And I want to, I want to just dive in <laughs> as, as plainly as I can here and be quite frank with the bestseller role because it's not about the title of being a bestselling author. It's not about best-selling books, right? That's all optics. And it's fantastic because it shows people that you have gained some level of popularity. But there are a lot of people out there that hold their breath waiting to reach something like the New York Times bestseller list. And I know that because I've done that myself. So to reach the New York Times list, apparently, you have to sell minimum a uh, few thousand copies in pre-orders, um, and sell them in the first week that the book comes out. And so with Dear Universe, we sold over 6,000 copies in the first week. And so it was like being um, like, what's his name? Charlie Bucket from the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory where he gets that last chocolate bar and he knows that if he peels open the wrapper and there's a golden ticket in there, he can visit the chocolate factory. So for me, I was holding my breath thinking, I would love to be a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote affirmations about it. It's something that didn't manifest for me. And it doesn't manifest unless you are perfectly in alignment with that, right? There's a lot of political things that happen behind the scenes with bestseller lists. It is about the optics of what's popular, what will guide the central narrative that is necessary to keep uh, society churning in a direction that the powers that be find acceptable, uh, I know that you guys out there know that the, um, the powers that be have so much power, right? They have so much power to guide the narrative. And so for me, being a New York Times bestselling author, it was something that I dearly wanted because I knew that that could help raise the consciousness of humanity, raise the consciousness of the planet. And that wasn't as of yet, <laughs> part of my plan. Now, I'm not saying that that won't happen or I wouldn't absolutely be thrilled if that did happen, but it hasn't happened yet. And it brings me back to the point with what is meant for you will manifest. And same thing happened the next time around when Be The Love was released a few months ago. We worked so hard. We hired a launch manager. We had a launch team. We sold lots of copies and it just didn't get that amplification that was needed like dear universe was and so it's again a powerful reminder that different publishing models different publishing houses different marketing different styles of writing different books all garner different results 
So there are so many different criteria when it comes to writing a best-selling book. And the main thing is to define best-selling on your own terms and to set some goals. What is the goal that would really light your heart up? If a hundred people, imagining that a hundred people read your book, what would that feel like? If a thousand people read your book, if a hundred thousand people read your book and in different languages, what would those languages be? People on the other side of the planet reading your book in a language that you can't even understand. And I know that because I've been through that. <laughs> um, so bring it back to what's truly important as a soul writer. As a soul writer, you write from your heart to transform and transmute your wisdom into alchemy. And that alchemy then gets passed down and passed around so that other people can experience your wisdom and their lives can be changed by you. And so if this is something that interests you, <laughs> which I'm hoping it does, because I really feel passionate about talking about this subject more and perhaps even creating a platform for soul writers. I just coined that phrase, a soul writer, somebody that is transforming the world, the world through their words, through their books whether that is writing a script for a podcast or writing social media content, if you identify as a soul writer, then I would like to invite you to join my free Facebook group called The Soul Writer Collective. You can click on the link in this podcast or you can go to sarahprout.com slash soul writer for more information and I can't wait to connect with you and to really build a community around this idea. Thank you so much for being here with me today. This has been an absolute pleasure. I have loved sharing this information with you today. If you found it helpful, once again, please feel free to share it with your friends. Anyone that you feel is uh, brewing a book within them. Okay, lots of love and bye for now.